and welcome to Biblical Tapestry Season 6, Episode 17, A Study in the Book of Jeremiah. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this episode, we move from chapter 8 to chapter 26 after Jeremiah's sermon at the temple. The priests, the prophets, and the people, after hearing the pronouncements against Judah, had seized Jeremiah to execute him for what God had told him to say. In chapter 26, they placed Jeremiah on trial. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 26, starting in verse 7. The priest and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priest and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him, saying, You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came, back, came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priest and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves a sentence of death, because he has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your own ears. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city and all the words you have heard. Now therefore, mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am, your, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to you to speak all these words in your ears. Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, This man does not deserve the sentence of death, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. And certain of the elders of the land arose and spoke to all the assembled people, saying, Micah of Morasheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah, and said to all the people of Judah, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. Did Hezekiah king of Judah and all Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord, and did not the Lord relent of the disaster that he had pronounced against them? But we are about to bring great disaster upon ourselves. There was another man who prophesied in the name of the Lord, Uriah the son of Shemaiah from Kareth Jerim. He prophesied against this city and against this land in words like those of Jeremiah. And when King Jehoiakim, with all his warriors and all the officials, heard these words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Uriah heard of it, he was afraid and fled and escaped to Egypt. Then King Jehoiakim sent to Egypt certain men, Elnathan, the son of Akbor, and others with him, and they took Uriah from Egypt, brought him to King Jehoiakim, who struck him down with a sword and dumped his dead body into the burial place of the common people. But the hand of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah, so that he was not given over to the people but to be put to death. Okay, Jeremiah escapes. <laughs> Back to verse 7 and 9. 
The priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him, saying, You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. Notice again the audience that had heard Jeremiah speak, the priests and the prophets and all the people. When Jeremiah began his sermon, he was at the gate of the temple. God had told him in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Well, this was certainly a place that would have garnered a lot of attention, especially if it came during a festival day. Well, not everyone in Jerusalem had heard him, but the people most affected by the message surely did. The priests and the prophets were against Jeremiah. We will see that not all the people were. Those opposed to the message from Jeremiah were incensed and wanted Jeremiah to die for these words. They grabbed Jeremiah after the message and with intended violence told him, You shall die. They considered the words from God given to Jeremiah as being blasphemous. In their eyes, no true prophet would speak against the sacred temple and the city. And they knew that Deuteronomy 18.20 said, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that have not commanded him to speak, or with who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. However, these were indeed the words of God to his prophet. Verse 10, When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priest and the prophet said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death, because he has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your own ears. Well, fortunately, some of the officials or princes from the king's house heard what was going on, and they intervened. The officials of the people sat down at the new gate of the house of the Lord. Now, there's not enough information for which gate this was, but some commentators believe that this was the gate that was rebuilt by King Jotham, the upper gate of the house of the Lord. In 2 Kings 15.32, it says, In the second year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Nevertheless, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. That could be the very gate we're talking about. And the purpose of gathering at the gate, it was a place of judgment. And it was to immediately place Jeremiah on trial to see if he had committed blasphemy. If convicted, Jeremiah would be immediately executed. Verse 12, 
Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard. So Jeremiah is representing himself in this hasty trial given to him, and now he gives his defense here. The defense is, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and the city all the words you have heard. That sounds like a pretty good defense to me, but not if you're persuaded that judgment would never come to Judah. But Jeremiah continues to go on the defense in verse 13. Now therefore mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to you to speak all these words in your ears. So Jeremiah knows the word of the Lord, and now the accused becomes the accuser. There's only one way that God would relent and not bring the disaster prophesied on Judah. That was for them to reform their ways and their actions and obey the Lord. Obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. Jeremiah now rests his defense and throws himself at the mercy of the court. However, at the same time, Jeremiah warns them of the consequences of shedding innocent blood. Deuteronomy 21.8 says, Accept atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, and do not set the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people Israel, so that their blood guilt be atoned for. You shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from your midst when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. God had appointed Jeremiah to be his spokesman, to warn the people of the consequences of their unfaithfulness, and that is, def- that is his defense. Verse 16 says, Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, This man does not deserve the sentence of death, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. It's fascinating that after all the emotion of the con- condemnation that God brought through Jeremiah's message, The officials and the people side with Jeremiah against the priests and the prophets. Jeremiah's defense was convincing and probably brought some level of fear that Jeremiah was indeed God's prophet, at least for the moment. Subsequent events would indicate that they did not continue to believe Jeremiah or that he was a true prophet of God. Verse 17 says, And certain of the elders of the land arose and spoke to all the assembled people, saying, Micah Amorasheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah and said to all the people of Judah thus says the Lord of hosts Zion shall be plowed as a field Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooded height now came up some elders some older but important people or leaders of the people so what is their message in defense of Jeremiah well they knew about the prophets, all their prophecies were written down, and they knew that Micah had warned of the coming destruction of Jerusalem. Now Micah had prophesied during the days of King Hezekiah, a faithful king of Judah, approximately 70 years earlier, about the destruction of Judah. And they quote Micah in verbatim. Micah 3.12 says, Therefore because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, 
in the mountains of the house a wooded height. The words of the prophets, again, were being faithfully written down and preserved, and Micah warned that Jerusalem would be nothing but a plowed field, utterly destroyed because of the lack of justice in Jerusalem. Now, Micah's similar prophecy was indirectly responsible here for saving Jeremiah's life. Micah prophesied that the temple will become rubble and the temple mount will become a patch of woods. Verse 19 says, Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all of Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord, and did not the Lord relent of the disaster that he had pronounced against them? But we are about to bring a great disaster upon ourselves. Jeremiah's words of judgment were the same as Micah's, yet Micah was not put to death for that prophecy. Hezekiah was well known as a righteous king, and he feared God. And there is not so subtle a comparison being made by the elders between Hezekiah and his actions and their current king, Jehoiakim. Then the request to spare Jeremiah for just speaking the words of God. Hezekiah had listened and asked God to forgive him and the nation. And to kill Jeremiah for this message would be a great disaster. Verse 20. There was another man who prophesied in the name of the Lord, Uriah the son of Shemaiah, from Kareth jerim He prophesied against this city and against this land in words like those of Jeremiah. The trial narrative seems to be broken here a bit with yet another example. But it's important. Uriah, as a prophet, is unknown to us. Certainly not the man that King David had killed some 400 years earlier. This Uriah was a contemporary of Jeremiah had also prophesied against Judah during Jehoiakim's appointed reign over Judah. He had used words like Jeremiah had against the city. Well, let's look what happened. Verse 21. And when King Jehoiakim, with all his warriors and all the officials, heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Uriah heard of it, he was afraid and fled and escaped to Egypt. And King Jehoiakim sent to Egypt certain men, Elnathan, the son of Ekbor, and others with him. So how does the current king respond to negative prophecy? Well, he was determined to put to death, just like the priests and prophets were trying to do to Jeremiah, this Uriah. And Uriah fled to Egypt. However, Jehoiakim, being a vassal of Egypt, would just send men primarily, in this case his father-in-law, Elnathan, to extradite him back to Jerusalem. Verse 23, And they took Uriah from Egypt, brought him to King Jehoiakim, who struck him down with a sword and dumped his dead body into the burial place of the common people. So when brought back from Egypt, Jehoiakim had him immediately executed. He then was denied burial with his family in the family tomb. He was to be buried with the common people in the Kidron Valley, a place for the poorest of the poor to be buried. Uriah lost his life because of faithful preaching God's word, just exactly as Jeremiah was doing. Verse 24 says, But the hand of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah, so that he was not given over to the people to be put to death. So the outcome of Jeremiah's trial was that he was set free under the protection of Ahikam, son of Shaphan. Jeremiah, turns out, would have friends in high places, and he will end up with friends in the royal court itself. Uriah did not have such an advocate. Ahikam was one of five that Josiah, he had worked for Josiah when he was king, that was sent 
to consult with the prophetess Hulda about the book of the law after it was found in the temple. In 2 Kings 22.11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Asaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So what can we learn from these two prophets? We should never be afraid to proclaim the word of God. God was fulfilling his promise to Jeremiah that he told him way back in Jeremiah 1.19. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. So God is present at all times in the lives of those who boldly witness for him. Next episode 18, we skip temporarily chapters 8 through 10, so that in chronological order, go to God's message to Jeremiah about the broken covenant in chapter 11. Hope you will continue following season six as we continue to follow the career of Jeremiah and the historical accounts around his ministry. Biblical Tapestry is available on Facebook and Instagram, and I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you have learned something new about God's Word. May God bless you, and I hope you have much to be thankful for.